Hello and welcome to Bullet Points. I think this is going to be a Bullet Points Extra, which means it doesn't fall into our neat sorting, our, our extremely strict sorting criteria for a shooting game, which we always adhere to constantly at Bullet Points. Um, my name is Reed McCarter. Hi. Uh, uh, we are here to talk about the video game Devotion by Red Candle Games. And I am joined by Dan Fries, who you may have recognized from his work at every publication in the video game blogosphere. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Unwinnable, Heterotopias, someplace called Bullet Points Monthly. Mm-hmm. Dan, how are you? I'm well. I'm good. How are you? This game's better than Vampire when you were last. It is. Here. It so, is. I'm happy to report uh, things are only looking up. That's right. In video games. <laughs> That's right. And we are also here with Nicole Carpenter, who is a freelance writer who you might have seen at The Verge, among many other places. Uh, Time, most recently, for that Division yes. 2 review. And formerly of Dot Esports as well. Nicole, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. This is the second podcast I've recorded in a day. So, <laughs> so you've done a lot of talking. I've done a lot of talking. And I've also, I mentioned this to Nicole, been playing The Division 2 constantly because I have to write, finish an article about it for tonight. So my brain's fried and I'd much rather talk about Devotion than The Division 2. <laughs> 100% agreed there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so Devotion, just to set it up, is uh, the second game unless they have some smaller stuff that I hadn't played, um, from Taiwanese developer Red Candle Studios or Entertainment. God, I'm bad. Red Candle Games, neither. Red Candle Games, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep, there we go. Um, and uh, it's their, their second game uh, following up on Detention, which came out a few years ago and is a survival horror game um, set during the White Terror in Taiwan. Uh, that kind of it was sort of unassuming uh, at least to me it, it came out and it, it looked like you know any other kind of smaller budgeted uh, horror game on PC and it turned out to be I think really a pretty remarkable game I think that was two years ago maybe I think it was 2017 um, I remember I wrote about the demo for Kill Screen um, so pre yeah 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah. And so, just uh, just about a month ago, it was February 26th, they... Oops, no, it was February 19th that they put out Devotion on computer again, on PC again. Um, which, uh, there's stuff about this we can, we can or maybe won't get into later. This game is now... It's currently unavailable to buy. It was removed from Steam on February 26th um, after some art assets uh, critical of Chinese President Xi Jinping were discovered and big outrage. That's kind of what the game is known for right now, which is a shame because this game, I think, is excellent. Um, it's a first-person game this time. It's also a horror game. Uh, set in the 1980s in Taipei, um, where you play as a father who is sort of in his apartment building, reliving 
these memories of of life over i'd say it was six or seven years maybe um mm-hmm. anyway that's that's the setup it's kind of hard to explain exactly what goes on so we'll get into it as we go um i guess i'll start first nicole just to ask like mm-hmm. the big general blanket question did you like this game yeah, I loved it. And I was surprised in some ways because I'm not a horror game person. Uh, I don't play horror games. I didn't play Detention either. Um, so this game was was pretty out of my comfort zone. Uh, I do enjoy kind of the exploration, exploration games. So like Gone Home, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's why I... It, it reminded me of that, so that's why I picked it up. But I would never go for a hor- I I never go for horror games. Um, so surprisingly, I loved it. I, it was stunning. I loved it. Is that because of like, um, like any aversion to like, I don't know? Do you get scared easily, or um, is it just like yeah? Well, so there's a lot so, of crappy horror as well. Right, there's a lot of crappy horror. I don't like um, watching people get murdered. Mm-hmm. Like so, I I don't like um, anything. I don't like horror that's like slasher films, and so I don't like anything that I imagine might go in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I also hate needles. Um, and I feel like a lot of these horror games really they. I mean, Devotion has some of yeah. it too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I remember I saw one of the Saw films, and this, this that this moment has like yeah, set I, me I off from horror. Know the scene you're talking about when they fall into the pit of needles. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. I that that kind of just like turned me off horror for like the rest of my life, and I just don't, I just don't do it anymore. So I thought this game might be safe from needles. You know, maybe there would be murder in it. I'm not sure. There wasn't. So, well. Well, we should Maybe. talk about some of the <laughs> stuff yeah. that happens toward the end. Yeah. Right. Um, right. No, I know what you mean. I think, yeah, so I liked it. I think detention might ick you out a bit more than... I think it has a lot more um, sort of, like, gore in it. I think there are more dead bodies and and uh, that kind of thing in it, where this is more implied for a great deal right. of the game. Mm-hmm. But, um, Dan, what did you think of this? I, I liked it a lot. I'm also not like a big uh, horror game aficionado. I think the last thing I played in the genre was probably Observer, if you could call Observer a horror game. Um, mm. I don't think I finished it either, uh, but I also I think there are a lot of parallels between uh, Devotion and those those Bloober Team games, Observer and Layers of Fear. Like it's definitely pulling from horror. Bloober, um, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but it, it's not, I don't know, there's there's a ton in it, and it doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel like it's trying to spook you out. It feels like it's trying to tell you a story that happens to be a kind of gross and scary one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Layers of Fear. I spoke to the developers for my piece um, at The Verge, mm-hmm. and they mentioned specifically Layers of Fear as a game oh, that interesting. was... An inter- uh, kind of an inspiration for them. PT as well. And also, um, I believe they mentioned What Remains of Edith Finch. Super PT. Wow. Yep. The, okay. That's an interesting... Like, I totally see the What Remains of Edith Finch thing with, like, the... Um, 
I'm thinking of the scene where you peek through the hole in the wall. Mm. Feels mm, right. super Edith Finchy to me. Um, but I really did not like Edith Finch at all. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, and I think this game is good instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. So this game, I'll just say up front as well, I, I think this game is really incredible. Um, it's it's been i think about a week since i've played it so i've had some time to make sure i just wasn't like caught up in in <laughs> in playing something like there aren't it's too rare that you get to play a game that kind of works on um just like an immediate plot level that is enjoyable and then also kind of gives you a good amount to chew on and to think about mm. and kind of affects you emotionally like you know just gets all those levels and um but like thinking about it uh, with with a bit more hindsight as well, I think it's it's really really something, um, which makes me really sad that people can't play it right now, and that the story about it right now is that people can't play it. Um, but what you're saying about, uh, especially with Nicole, you're saying that they they outright say they were inspired by layers of fear. This game, so many times, especially with the apartment setting, made me think of. Uh, Observer, End of Layers of Fear, mm-hmm. and PT, of course. Um, mm. But I think it's maybe a lot more elegant than those games. Um, I would agree. PT, I think, is really um, is really something. It's also a lot sort of smaller and I think less complete. And I think that works in its favor in terms of it just feeling like this old nightmare that you can go into. Um but I think the way this one tells its story uh, while maintaining that kind of... You know, it has that first-person thing where you're in a mundane space. In this one, it's the apartment and the apartment building uh, of this family, this young family in Taipei. Um, but keeps the environment changing and makes it so... And Nicole, you talk about this in the piece uh, in The Verge about how, you know... Um, PT was going around a corner something might be different and I think Layers of Fear did a good one where it's it's a lot of like you turn around in a room and what was behind you might be different than what it was when you walked through for the first time yeah. and this one is a lot of you open a door and a space may just be transformed um, mm, you peek around you can see through the door frame what I thought was really interesting I was watching I watched a bunch of Twitch streamers play this as well mm-hmm. um and I saw one Twitch streamer in particular who was playing the game in a really interesting way, kind of positioning the body like right at the door frame, so she couldn't see around the door frame. Hmm. But then she, she would, you know, peek quickly to see what see what was there. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way to play, kind of playing off of that, like, and what's behind the door frame, kind of, because you can see, you can see into the other rooms and see if things have changed, but. I thought it was really an uh, interesting, funny way to play that. Yeah. And That's... kind of played off the mechanics of this layered changing room. Yeah. That's that's funny. I, I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't find... And maybe this is worth talking about as well before we go into different elements of the story about... I, I didn't find this game, like, frightening in the sense of, like you know, shocking, and I found it very disturbing at times. Like, at times it was Mm -hmm. um, extremely uncomfortable, and 
that's usually the kind of horror I like more of, of not being sort of like jumping out of my seat, but more sure. just feeling like you're kind of complicit in watching something or complicit might be the wrong word, but you're like, you know, it's like reading a book uh, that's frightening and just like continuing forward, even though it's making you feel worse and worse. Yeah. Um, I think um, Josh Calixto had talked about um, how it's not frightening. It's or, or I don't I don't I don't want to put words in Josh's mouth. He said something about how he did not find it uh, to be like a particularly terrifying horror game, and that most of the horror comes from the family drama, which I think is true. Um, but there is there are a couple, there are some serious jump scares, um, mm-hmm. and there's one particular scene. Um, where uh, you either your character Dufeng starts uh, washing his hands, um, and then as he's washing his hands, uh, the like he starts bleeding. His hands are co- are covered in blood, and the room starts yeah. to yeah. fill with blood. And then you, for whatever reason, are encouraged to look up. I don't remember how they do it, but it's it's really impressive because you look up, um, and there that's. It's like his his wife Li Feng is like a zombie, and like jumping at you from the ceiling, and you're in Kate, <laughs> and the water levels going up. It's, I really right. scramble over the back of my chair. It was it's and feels like you're drowning. Yes, yeah. yeah, there is the part as well where, and, and this might be part of the same scene where he's running down the hallway, where you're mm. being chased by mm. his wife, who's yeah the kind wife. of like zombified or. Mm-hmm. Uh, toward the elevator, and then you get in the elevator, and you're kind of jamming on the button, and yeah, and she's yeah coming closer and closer. Yeah, that was really affecting for me too. Also, because I couldn't find the door you were supposed to go through, <laughs> yeah, um, for a couple tries. I think the way that that hallway works is uh, it's repeated, and there are a number of different doors in it, and it will continue to repeat until you've used every door in it at least once. Right. Yeah, I don't... show you the elevator. Did it stop you, Nicole? Like, did it... Can she catch you and then you have to restart it? She can catch you. So the the part where she caught me was, even before I entered it through any doors, I... When she's coming at you, she she can grab you, and then you you restart. So you can kind of die in this game. Um, But that's the only point at which you can kind of... You, you'll, you're forced to restart, but she can grab you, and that's when I couldn't. I didn't know I was supposed to go through a door, so I was just like, "How do I get away from mm. her?" And that's what caught me up. It really affected me because I felt scrambled and I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't figure out what to do for a couple tries. Yeah, I was. I think during that sequence, it played out probably ideally for me because I kept. I, I was just at the point of, of thinking maybe I'm supposed to let her catch me or something. Mm. Um, and I think right about the point where I was like, okay, I'll try that. You go through the door and he... The door. The the right one and it's the hallway to the elevator. Um, yeah. What did, so did this, did you find it frightening, Nicole? Like on a, like, I'm kind of curious just like how this affected both of you just <laughs> on the level of like, were you, were you feeling dread going through things where you like you know screaming or (laughs) (laughs) 
There's no screaming, yeah. but um, you weren't you weren't uh, streaming on YouTube, so no yeah. Screaming. So I wasn't I wasn't playing up my gamer personality. Yeah. For, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, there's no screaming. But I I found it frightening in a, a way that I found like the haunting of Hill House frightening. Um, sort of like what's real, what's not real, uh, kind of this horror of the family. Um, so there, and there were a couple of the jump scares that, that did get me and, you know, jump scares are another thing that I try to avoid in my life. So, mm-hmm. um, so I found it's, you know, I think that, uh, it's correct to say that it's not scary in a way that it's not scary in like a gore or like shocking way. It's scary in like a disturbing kind of, um, more subtle way. Yeah. And I think there's a really good sense in this game. So, I guess a little bit of synopsis. Um, and, and we'll feel free to talk about anything mm. that happens in this game, because I think it's most interesting to not hold anything back from this. Right. Um, so, I guess just like the, the most basic summary of it is uh, the father, um, Du Feng... Uh, is married to a former... Is she a former, like, singer? She's, like, kind of like an idol, right? Yeah, like an actress. I... Yeah, she's in... She's, like... But very popular. And, yes. Um, and she's a hit movie. And they move into this apartment in... I think... Is it 1980, the beginning? Yeah, 1980. Mm-hmm. August There's, 8th. Um, is August 8th important? It is. Eight, well, it's 8-8, eight, eight, 1980. 8-8. Eight, eight. <laughs> um, we should go back to some of this stuff because there are also things okay. about the cultural. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of different stuff I want to get into with this thing. Um, so this young couple get married. He's he's a screenwriter whose career is kind of uh, at the beginning of the game or chronologically the earliest point. He's um, having trouble kind of following up on what he's done, and she's extraordinarily popular. And much is being written about her leaving um, leaving her career behind to have a child. So they have a daughter named... Uh, Mayshin. Yeah, Mayshin. And right away they start kind of encouraging her to... They give her piano lessons and start teaching her singing and everything. And um, she's very talented and they keep pushing her and she develops an illness that they're not sure what it is and the father uh starts speaking to would you call her a cult leader uh i wouldn't have said cult leader just because we don't have like uh an idea of a like a cult of of another like a group that meets i guess um but i think the red candle like press stuff does call her a cult or it calls the the group a cult it's at least a cult in the sense of like worshiping a specific god. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. she's she worships a god who, um, uh, I forget the name, but Sugu Guanyin starts with a G. It's, yeah, yeah. Sugu Guanyin. Okay, I'm not going to be able to. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce it properly, but um, a god who said to. Uh, in the myths, I guess, or in in these folk myths, um, 
isn't the god a serpent who it's that's so the or is the that story, just an aspect of the story that's that's just an aspect of the story the story has um a it features a farmer you, you get this in three different segments in uh the 80s when you're sort of walking through these different uh versions of the apartment uh and the story is that there's a farmer who um like meets a snake and he has a, a really good year in the field um, and because I think the snake eats all the vermin um, mm. and then the next right. year it's a bad year but the snake's like if you kill me and drink um, wine made out of my body um, like you'll ha- you're gonna be healed and be healthy again um, and he does that and the third portion of the story uh, Sigurgonian blesses the snake um, seeing the like value of the snake's sacrifice. Right. Okay. So, the the person mentor here is that how you pronounce? I think name? so. I'm not certain. Um, is a woman who lives uh, the floor or two above them, and the father starts meeting with her um, to try to heal his daughter, and she's healed. Um, or, so, or so they think. Uh, she's fine, and she, her career starts going well, but then more troubles happen, um, which I don't know how to describe the full like complexity of them. Um, but essentially the father becomes more and more devoted to trying to fix his daughter, whose problems we kind of learn are not so much physical as they are that she's been she's being sort of controlled by him um, or controlled. I don't know. She's being pressured immensely he's by him. He's taking her out of school and um, yeah, there he's there. There's violence at home as well. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of um, in the beginning, they sort of believe she has something like asthma, correct? It's something like that. Like she, they, they keep like some kind of chest breathing problem. Yeah. yeah. It's like an actual physical problem at first. Yeah, right. Yep, and then and so that sort of leads into why they're taking her out of school. Um, it's been a while since I've played, so. <laughs> yeah, and then but then there's a scene, and I think this is one of the most affecting scenes in this game, where the perspective shifts from the father, uh, first-person mm-hmm. perspective, to the daughter. And she's sitting in her room, and she's holding marbles, and she's um, clicking them together to try to relax and self-soothe. Yeah, yeah. And her, the parents are arguing, um, essentially about the father being too controlling. He's he's becoming emotionally worse and worse as his career continues to flounder, and he's essentially trying to compensate by dictating the lives of his wife and daughter. And spending more and more money on this uh, mm-hmm. cult. Yeah, so they're yes. becoming poorer, and you know, his his wife is still being held back at home, and the daughter is being forced to practice and sing. And you get from her viewpoint the perspective that she hates doing this; that it's giving her incredible anxiety. Um, and so that sort of feeds into the sickness, but he is making it worse by trying to control things. Um, and I think Nicole, what you were saying about something like the haunting of Hill House fits with 
the idea that because because a it's a horror game and you know that strange things can happen that it's a horror game yeah you're not sure what is supernatural going on with these things and what is um sort of his mind the father's mind kind of uh interpreting the situation in different ways and that kind of comes to a head at the end of the game you are in his perspective as he performs sacrifices to try to fix everything after his wife has left him um and i guess just put it all out there he he mutilates himself and then locks his daughter in a bathroom with uh fills a bathtub full of wine and snakes right is that the is that the gist of it i don't know if there are literal snakes uh yeah i'm not sure about yeah i also don't know if the mutilation is literal either um there's a lot especially at the end that sort of like is happening in the like uh the the sort of created dream state the the meditation state that he Mm -hmm. develops with the mentor um and a lot that's happening in the game and a lot that's happening in the sort of world that the game represents and it's not clear what's what's what what's literal what's not right as he's being led through this sort of creepy uh nightmare meditation sort of thing yep what were your takes on on this because i found the, the game's not very long you could probably think of it as just having like a like something of a three act structure and it's always got this kind of hum of uh dread going on behind it that i think yeah. increases pretty steadily as it goes on um i wonder if both of you and maybe i'll ask nicole first what you thought of the ending sequence because it it's sort of the finale kind of kicks off with him uh, through his eyes he's he covers his eyes with a bandana as to try to essentially what do they call it it's like traverse into a flawless present well, yeah yeah and he is sort of projecting or imagining himself in hell um yeah god i wish i had played this today instead of a week ago right (laughs) yeah same um and so what from what i remember um and he was being guided by the mentor in the apartment above during this um yeah or maybe it was a recording oh i I thought it was a a meeting because he specifically goes there i think right 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 yes you're yeah i think you're right yeah i um you know I found the I found that segment very affecting uh, in kind of bringing together or kind of um, moving towards sort of that like shifting shifting towards sort of like like what's going like for us figuring out what's going on. But I also did find it that it felt a little like a very quick, maybe too quick of a a turn to the supernatural sort of aspect of it. Hmm. Um, and that I think that in some ways it worked really well because even now we're all kind of unsure if this is meant to be taken literally or figuratively, um, how we're supposed to kind of interpret what happened. It was the mutilation reality. Is there some kind of truth in that? Or was that all kind of the imagined nightmare dream state? Um, 
So I guess I'm like, um, yeah, when I was playing, I found the shift, the tonal shift, like a little sudden, but, um, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Uh, I think it kind of worked in, in what you were saying, Reed, about, uh, being unsure about what's real and what's not and how quickly that shift happens. Um, I think it worked for the game. Mm -hmm. This is a weird comparison point. Uh, but if that portion of the game, uh, reminded me of death of the outsider. I haven't played that. Um, I I don't know. Okay. So there's, there's a segment at the end of death of the outsider where you go to, uh, wherever it is that the outsider lives. Um, and it's, it's a lot of the same kind of like floating rocks, uh, tortured souls. Um, it's not clear what's part of this world. What's part of not hell. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, it's an interesting comparison. I don't know if it's, uh, fruitful necessarily. It's sort of, I get what you're saying, Nicole, about the, about it being a little bit jarring at the same time I was kind of ready for it to, it, it felt to me like it was leading up to what is he actually going to do? Um, right, so where's the snap happening? Yeah, so sort of, you know, he has the shrine, I think, in the apartment at that point um, that I think he kind of builds out more and more. Um, I, I guess the way that the game is segmented, too, uh, it worked for me, but before this point, there's sort of a large middle section where it's almost it's more of like an adventure game than it is at any other point. The beginning is a lot of just kind of continuing to move through the space as things are happening. And then you get to a section where you actually have to go and find items and, and right. Puzzle esque. Yeah. It's like, like very like straightforward, but yes, but more than you're not just walking through and having stuff happen to you. You're actually doing things. Well, the, the, like that, that framework suit, it, after about an hour, after the th- first act, um, it op- you open into sort of the center room of the apartment complex, um, and you can walk down different corridors to the apartment in 1980, 1985, and 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, uh, it is very straightforward, but also, um, the, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but the way that you solve the puzzles um, and and finish each room is by bringing items back and forth between the different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... The, the moment when I realized that uh, like felt really good, it was sort of, oh, I, I, I remember where the thing that's missing here is, and I can go get it. Um, oh, there's the camera stand. Yeah. The camera was back in, right. I don't know, 80 or whatever. Yeah. Or you you have to take the photo so that you can use the photo that has the date on it that opens mm. the safe, which is like totally video game logic, but the, the, the time element of it and the fact that it's the same apartment makes it feel uh, sort of like, I don't know, it's like when you think about, oh, I wish I could find my keys. I remember last week I lost them and they were here right it has this kind of weird familiar memory uh, aspect to it right uh, 
one thing I really liked about that, about the having to go back and forth through these time periods too, is um, not only does it help you understand the family better, just in terms of you know the main plot things of of what happened, who they were, uh, all of this, but it also I think does a really good job of reflecting um, like regret and the way things move in life and how you can look back at certain things and think, well, that was a more idyllic time. And, but because you're going back and forth and back and forth, it's, it's this really disconcerting kind of like hodgepodge of when things were absolutely horrible to, Mm -hmm. you know, just before that to the beginning, you know, and uh, it's all reflected a lot in Mei Shin being a baby to being, um, you know, right before she presumably dies or something horrible happens and, you know, her as a relatively happy kid. Um, just the way I think in terms of storytelling, that's something that um, just being able to go back and forth, like sort of directing it on your own really reinforces how, I don't know, but there's also the sense because it's a puzzle and you have to you want to get through that last door, which is kind of the the goal of all of this going back and forth, is collecting things to get these three pieces of a like kind of a metal um, that has I think all three members of the family on it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's that goal to it. It's also you're moving towards something inevitable that you know is going to be bad because the game. You know, you know it's going to be bad. It starts right, I think, right. with him yeah. sitting by himself in the dark watching TV, or no, it's, it starts with him watching TV and his wife is in the other room talking to him. But it's mm-hmm. kind of uncanny. And then does it like switch to him in the dark? It gets scary at the I, beginning. So I don't remember how it how it uh, leads you into the first sort of block of terror. I think you have to go to the bedroom, and I think that's where it starts. I'm not sure though. Yeah. So I guess that was a like a long way of saying I agree with Nicole, but I also felt like there was there's also something like there was like there's nightmare logic to this entire game, I think. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that PT kind of like established was how to do this in a three D space from a first person perspective of having the environment itself change around in ways that are uh kind of follow nightmare logic of, of things being the same and then one small thing changing that doesn't make sense. And then, Nicole, you mentioned this in your article that sometimes it's small things. And I remember that you cite that article by Gareth about PT from mm-hmm. back at that site that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Weird, I can't remember it either. No, I, I can't remember what it was. Um, but, you know, small things and then big horrible things like in pt uh you know you're hearing the baby crying or the light changes but then you round a corner and there's the the woman in you know this ghastly woman running toward you um and so by the time that you the main character is putting on the the father is putting on the bandana and going into this it kind of feels like well here it is here's the maybe you're ramping up to that yeah yeah but, yeah, 
I, I don't know. So that worked for me in that sense. Mm. One of those small details in the changing that I really loved was uh, when they have all the lights strung up in the apartment. Mm. I can't remember which apartment it is. And then they change to eyeballs. Oh, yeah. And I think it's 86, in like the, 85 or 86, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, that one felt it, like it was closer to the end because it was kind of that more nightmare logic-esque yeah. sort of thing. And I think maybe the eyes of all the photos go red or have X's on them. Is that the one with the dolls? I don't remember if that's the same space with the oh. dolls. Mm, I'm not sure. I think, I think it is 1986. Um, yeah, that, like, where all the eyes pivot and look at you, too. Um, right. It's, oh, yeah. It's very spooky. And then you sort of are like, uh, or my react, one of my reactions was, um, this is spooky and weird and like looks cool. Um, but uh, I feel like so many of the things in the game are kind of laden with um, meaning. Like, it's actually a really rich game. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of things feel like textured and, and heavy. Um, and the eyes, I was sort of not. Uh, like one of my immediate reactions was what does this mean like what is this attached to what's the deal with the eyes um and then much later in the game when he mutilates himself and pulls his eye out is that it's it like resonates right i also saw it as almost a direct nod to pt i know there is a segment in pt um, where the things change something i can't remember exactly what it is but something changes to eyeballs okay. Um, but I, I, th I, I thought the same thing as well. You know, it was like a nice little nod back to the gouging yeah. <laughs> of the eyeballs. Yeah, I think. Well, and also like the what he sacrifices. You know, it's an eye, and then it's a tongue, and then it's his hand. Right. Um, not not the whole hand, but he stabs himself in the hand. Right. To. to um, essentially this offering to the god um, for for his daughter or to have guidance, maybe. Um, but all this stuff, like what you're saying too, Dan, about the, the symbolism in it, or, or just the for a small these small spaces there's so much packed into them, and I think things with the dates, I don't think that this game takes place over a period of time from the early 80s to the you know mid to late 80s is coincidental um like I, I very much read this game as being sort of about authoritarianism about mm -hmm. um you know the way that the the father is is trying to at the beginning to kind of have this new beginning um to uh start a family that that will be happy and and to raise a daughter who is going to have a good life and it spirals into something where he is very maniacally controlling them and uh and uh you know the the family thing kind of reads to me like it's dovetails into a critique of of religion as well in putting your faith into um, larger external forces that are sort of unknowable uh, in their intention, which extends, I think, to the government to a degree as well. Um, 
I don't know if I'm reading too much into the fact that this is a Taiwanese game set in the 80s, so it's it, sort of at the end of the White Terror and yeah, the 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 that like very specific time period. The game, the first, it st- starts in 1987, and then you go back and the they move into the apartment in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, and 1980 uh, in Taiwan, there's the I think it's the Young incident, which is. Um, I think it's February 28th. Is that like the Tiananmen type? It's, I mean... The protest? Yeah, there was a a protest, and um, people were killed, and it was a sort of major um, uh, kicking off the the kind of pro-democracy movement in Taiwan Mm. um, and the visibility of the pro-democracy movement. And um, 1987 is when I don't think the the provisions for martial law were lifted, maybe the provisions for martial law were lifted in 87 and there's like, it's finalized in 91 but that period of 1980 to 1987 really is the period during which the white terror is ending and the ending is clear and it's uh, yeah, the the sort of advance of democracy is, is clear um, I don't know I, I don't think it's I always try to be careful with certain things especially I mean I think as a Canadian you're used to looking at other countries and trying to understand how their history informs their culture because I feel like Canadians do a lot of looking outward rather than inward to our own country Um, so I'm always kind of a little bit hesitant to say this is a game about Taiwan you know but I feel like it's the stuff you're saying, Dan, about the time frame. I also mm-hmm. think about detention, which is 100% explicitly here yeah. is a horror game about... About this political incident, this time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's, I think, even just the... It's over, yeah. Paragraph-long Steam description, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. What, what do you think about that aspect of it, Nicole? Um, I can see the comparisons, you know, um, I am not particularly familiar with, with a lot of Taiwanese history, so it's hard for me to kind of, so I don't really feel comfortable, um, you know, speaking to, speaking to that aspect of it, but, but you can see how this, how this story kind of can be a critique of something else how it how especially now you know thinking about what's happened to the game and how it's been removed from steam how the response to it in china you can it feels more it feels even more apt to kind of make those sorts of comparisons now regardless of whether or not it was the you know i'm i i have no idea and i won't and I don't know if it was a developer intention, but I think it's relevant to talk about the game in this way, especially now, given what's happened to it. It's, it's also, um, there's a portion where uh, I think Gungli is on the phone. You walk back into the hub, and there's like a window just sitting in the middle, like floating in space. And if you sort of peek in the window, you can see Gungli on the phone with her mother. And I think she's saying... Um, like, I want to go home, I want to come back to live yeah. with you. Um, and her mother says something about, like, 
you you can't give up it would be bad for your career it would be bad for like how people see you um mm-hmm. there's another letter that says something about how this family has sold their ancestral home um in order to like move to the city um hmm. there's another portion where uh when dufeng gets the sort of prognosis for Mei Shin, it says that her issue, it, like, she has a psychological problem. Her panic attacks are psychological, they're not physical. Um, and his his response, he loudly shouts, uh, my daughter is not a lunatic, and he tears it up. Right, right. So it, it does really feel like there's there's this kind of um, like, critique of, of, a, of a traditionality, a traditionalism um, that it the, the game is linking to the the horror that, that befalls these people. Well, I think something too about the you know, the the religion or the cult being, you know, a folk a folk god, not um uh like a traditional Chinese god, not anything imported from not Buddhism, not Christianity, not... I, I would pause for a second. I know that... Um, so the name of the god is Sigu Guanyin. I know Guanyin is a bodhisattva. Um, oh, okay. So, but I don't know, like, to what degree Sigu Guanyin is different from Guanyin. I don't know. Like, a lot of the iconography looks Buddhist to me. Yeah, that's um, true. But again, I'm not, like, any kind of authority on the subject. I think... It's tied to that, but I don't know how tied. Okay, never mind. That's that's uh, shuts the point down on its own. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good because I don't want to. I don't want to read something that isn't there. That's true because when he's uh, sacrificing, the um, statue is in. Uh, I forget what the pose is called, but sitting in, in the. Yeah. Uh, was it the lotus pose? Yeah, the and there's pose. when Mation is in the center of the arena, she's like mm. above a lotus flower. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think there's still something to the time period. I think there is something to the fact that Mation is is born sort of um, at this crucial time, and and her, you know, they they're or at least the father is is very determined to shape her into exactly what he wants her to be. Yeah, the whole um, lion thing. Right. And uh, and that she meets this horrible end, but the game also ends with her, whether this is her afterlife or it's, you know, her leaving the, the house or something, um, of this, I think, really, actually really beautiful ending where... The entire game has taken place in, in the apartment, and it's all cramped and dark and very claustrophobic. Yeah. And she's walking out through a playground, um, and uh, it's you know blinding light, and you just see her from behind, and and she's walking out into the horizon, and there's the sense that you know her freedom from all of this is is going to make something better possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess how you read what happened to her at the end, though, <laughs> depends yeah. on how <laughs> how you feel about that. Whether it's a message saying that just freedom from these kind of structures is is good, or if it's literally she's going to have the rest of her life. Um, yeah, and that music, huh? Right. Yeah, it's uh, no party for cow dog. Um, it's a it's a 
great band. Uh, that's a good get. Um, the Idol song is also really good. Yeah, there are... Maybe we should kind of wrap up with, like, talking a little bit about the presentation of this thing. Because I think it's... It's really different from... Uh, Detention is, is 2D and... Uh, a, a lot sort of simpler. This is all first person and has just the yeah, I guess like the the idol song. You see Mei Shin on this TV throughout time, and it's live action footage. Yeah. It's real people, and she's on this like live action. I don't know game show kind of like singing competition. One one of my favorite things about the game is the kind of like layers of presence that the mm. different characters have. I think. Uh, Gone Home is a really Nicole you mentioned it earlier it's a solid comparison um, one of the things that like everybody will note about Gone Home um, is that there aren't any people in it it's it is an empty house uh, they Steve Gaynor talks about very deliberately designing a medicine cabinet that did not have a mirror on it um, mm. to make sure that there's not a mirror in the bathroom because he doesn't want to show the player or um, like have the player not appear in a mirror uh, so it's a very consciously empty house. Uh, this game has the live-action television version of Meixing. Um, it has a 3D modeled version of Meixing. Um, mm -hmm. It has a doll that represents her. Mm -hmm. um, the wife is uh, present as a zombie, as a and there's when she crawls to the elevator, she like flickers between um, like a healthy looking human and a zombie back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. The dolls that uh, like fill up the room and are acting out different poses, um, and then also when you are in, you're seeing the game from Mation's perspective. Uh, you're eating lunch outside opposite Du Feng, I think. Um, so this... Initially, my reaction was that uh, this is a game that is a follow-up to a 2D game. It is not coming from a company that has uh, a ton of money, time, resources to develop a fully 3D uh, animated character-based game. Um, but it really, by the end, feels like a very conscious choice to put people uh, in different forms, even different places where it works and where it doesn't work. Um, one of the most fruitful examples being the final time that you go to 1980, um, and the floor is covered in shoes. Like, mm. there are tons of people here, but none of them are there at the time. Mm -hmm. The chairs, yeah, the shoes, the chairs right? to move out of the way. Um, yeah. I mean, there's also the point to when... I mean, there's a lot. I think that's a huge discussion point in this game is, is how people are physically present. Um, there's the photographs everywhere. So you yeah. see uh, you see Gong Li <coughs> in their bedroom. There are all these photographs of her, like a lot of promotional images and like 8x10s, headshots and stuff. Um, but you're mostly hearing her voice. Uh, up until that point mm -hmm. and then when you see her as a as a three-dimensional model it's like dan was saying when she's following you down the hallways and coming toward you in the elevator and and she switches back and forth from this you know monster to a normal person but there's also the moment too when uh du Feng is on the way to his 
personal hell. I think this is when it is. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's walking opposite himself. <clears throat> and his other self is talking to him. And it's a, uh, a character model with a strange kind of smiling face yeah. um, that matches your steps and kind of narrates to you as you're walking down a hallway. So I think it's very deliberate when it chooses to, you know, it's it's kind of saying he is not looking at himself throughout the game and at this moment he is forced to confront himself and what he is. Right. Right. It seems like a deliberate choice. Um, I, If I'm remembering correctly, his face is obscured for the entire... There are photos of him in the house um, and we see him through the peephole uh, during the lunch scene. But we don't ever see his face. And I actually think there's a mirror in there where nothing yeah. shows up in the mirror as well. Yes. And so choosing what to show about uh, Du Fang and what not to show it seems like a deliberate kind of act there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think his face is always like just kind of cropped out. Yeah, or... I, I remember the photo in the bedroom of uh, the husband and the wife. And his photo, I think it maybe stops at his nose. Yeah, it's like burned out in some, and it's mm, cut right, right, right. in others. Yeah. Um, but that that kind of stuff is so, I don't know. It's so evocative in this game. It's so um, uh-huh. even just the living space as well. They have uh, there are so many things like Dan talking about specific dates. There's a calendar <laughs> in everything. Yeah. You know, you can you can see. Uh, can you see actually what day it is? Is that marked, or is yes, it just yeah. the? Mm-hmm. It's it's specific days in these different years. But then everything else too is just you know the the way the furniture is arranged in the house, the cleanliness of the house or the apartment. Um, you know, they're lucky fish, uh, which I think one of the first things you have to do is pluck out its eye when it's <laughs> like yeah. rotting in its yeah, empty it's tank. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I took about a million screenshots of this game. The, just the light I and did, everything. I did, too. The lighting is spectacular. Food. The lighting coming out of the kitchen, reliably, the lighting coming out of the kitchen is, like, spooky and enticing and, and weird. It's just a... It's a really gorgeous game. Except for... You, <laughs> they did all this stuff, and it's, like, all so well done in his... His hand looks so stupid, though. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> maybe that's one thing that could be the definitive edition. <laughs> could just have a better-looking hand. Of the textures <laughs> on those hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. There's more to talk about with this game, but I don't... I feel like I have mostly just been spinning around in circles. And Is there anything else that either of you want to touch on with this? Um, well, one thing that I really loved was the TV, the looping TV mm. kind of segments. Mm-hmm. Um, the part where he was going eight, 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 and it, then it just cuts. You know, I I found that so creepy and just it was so disturbing in a way that I don't really understand. Um, uh, I was playing this game without headphones on, and uh, my husband is Taiwanese American, so he was hearing them say eight ba 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 and um was like what the fuck are you listening to like (laughs) 
what are you doing? And he was, you know, kind of like, you know, getting scared. Like, what is this? Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? And that moment was just like, just, I think that that moment wasn't something, you know, looking, looking at that moment um, outside of the game, not something that I would consider scary, but I felt so terrified in like the anticipation that, you know, there was this buildup and that, and the relief from that wasn't coming. Yeah. Um, and so that, so those sort of TV segments were really affecting. It's really eerie. I mean, there's something I think always kind of eerie about late night television to an extent, like, (laughs) like waking up, I mean, I, I don't know if this happens anymore. We might be, like, the last generation to have this experience of, like, you know, you're home alone or something, and you fall asleep in front of the TV, and you're up because you're up late because your parents aren't telling you to go to bed. And you wake up, and it's, like, the color bars, or it's some weird infomercial at 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. and it feels like you're in a different space than normal everyday life. Right. And also, I think the image of, like, a little kid being judged by a group of men who are yelling at scores, yeah. like this like this little girl, right. which is like, yeah, of course, these kind of, like, talent shows exist, but there's something, especially within the context of the game, that she looks nervous, and she's an actual little kid, and she's singing her heart out, and then these unimpressed industry veteran men are... You know, <laughs> are judging her on this, yeah. She, the, the thing that they say is that she didn't make any mistakes... Um, it's the the loops are really interesting because the first loop, I think, it goes all the way up until right before she starts singing and then cuts out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The second one is just her singing. There's one that's like the guy saying she didn't make any mistakes, and then they do the one where she gets her score with the like eight 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 eight. Um, and I know like eight is a lucky number, and she gets eighty eight points, but she still loses. Loses, yeah. Which is like. I, that's that feels so like a, like a, a crystallization of of this game's like aesthetic and and what's going on inside of it. Right. This is she didn't make any mistakes. This is the best yeah. she could have done, and yet I didn't yeah. know as well that eight is a lucky number. Yeah, like at some at some level, eighty eight is the best possible score, except for the fact that the other person got eighty nine. And then there's also you. Like more immediately with the creepiness of the of the TV is when you finally get a chance to hear her sing her entire song. I don't know if both of you did, but I was pretty interested to hear it at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're sitting, and it's it's a viewpoint that the game returns to a lot of looking through her father Doofing's eyes as he's sitting on the couch watching the TV. Yeah. And her bedroom is kind of off to the side. Um, or it's like down a, a little bit of a hallway. And uh, as you're watching her sing and she's, you know, doing this great job, you notice that her bedroom door is open just a crack and mm. a model of her is standing there watching. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> and then she, I think, closes the door, right? Yeah. And it's just, that is one of those moments of just like, oh, no. Like oh, your stomach just yeah. turns. Um, I think the game... Maybe one of the last things I wanted to touch on was that I think this game also does a great job of... It's not like one of those things where everything horrifying is only implied and you never get to see it. Um, like That's one approach to horror is to say, mm-hmm. 
like to let your imagination run wild because you know you're going to imagine things worse than what can be shown to you and this game i think does a really good job of doing of both showing you things that are really frightening or disturbing but also withholding enough that it's just mm-hmm. an atmosphere um like it the most kind of like visceral disgusting thing is him you have to manipulate the controller as he you know mutilates himself as he yeah. pulls right. his you, eye out. You and you to... don't see any of that but it's still so yeah it's gross you, you see the tongue and that's enough <laughs> yeah we don't need to see anything else. you just yeah you sort of see him pulling and the sound and he, you, can, you can feel it yeah yeah he makes and, cause as he's walking after that he's like making this gurgling oh, hissing. God. it's terrible it's awful <laughs> gross. that's actually some of the most outright kind of like horrified like not frightened but just like i don't know like looking at dead body or something just like i can't look away at how awful this is to look at like how compellingly gross it is um but at the same time the way that it leads toward the ending you get a Mm -hmm. description of the ritual that he is supposed to do uh that he's been instructed to do um which involves i think i don't know i might misremember some of it but it's you know, he's filling the bathtub with rice wine, right? And she's locked in there, if I remember that right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there may or may not be, I think he's instructed to, or do something with, like, the lucky serpent. This this is actually, I just thought of this. Um, <laughs> the I think what the mentor says explicitly is that, um, like, she's supposed to be in there alone, and uh, she's supposed to like get out once she feels cleansed. Um, and one of the things that the game, like when you hear her perspective, she like sides with her dad. Like she mm-hmm. sides with her dad against her mother. She believes meant the the mentor more than she believes that her mother is right. That the mentor is like a a, a bad person. Um, and so when the the door is locked, like, throughout most of the game as you walk past the door to the bathroom, it's locked. Um, but we also don't have any, like, she seems confident that it's going to work. Which is right. also, like, a scary, scary thing to suggest. Right. Yeah. I like that you brought up the bathroom door being locked the whole game. That kind of felt, mm-hmm. um, it was like a nice little... You know, I knew that something throughout the game, I knew, you know, you could tell from this game that this is all, everything that's going on in this game is so intentional and that we're only let into the bathroom at certain times uh, and we're only allowed to see what's in there in small segments. It, it, it added to the kind of sense of terror that I was feeling, like what's going on with this bathroom. There is a reason why this door's locked and why I can't go in right now. Yeah. Well, it's like the old gothic thing too, right? Of the locked attic door that's mm. that's in the story throughout and what's in there and you'll find out by the end somehow and it will be horrible yes right. yeah you don't want to know when the house burns that's, down that's a rose for emily um it's jane Eyre too right uh jane Eyre i haven't read somehow i managed to get an english degree without reading jane Eyre. likewise <laughs> <Take> really <laughs> 
<laughs> well, seriously, and it's for some reason like I've read a lot of stuff I feel like I missed out on, but I never feel like reading Jane. <laughs> it just never feels like that's the one to pick up right now. I think someone has a secret wife in an attic, and they only find out when the house burns down. Oh, that's terrible. I think that's Jane Eyre. Mm. If I'm wrong, I don't tweet at me. I don't know. <laughs> Is it Faulkner who did a rose for Emily? I think so. I'm not sure. And isn't it she like a mummy, pretty much? <laughs> have either of you read this? <laughs> no, I have. I have read it, um, but I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's what this game needed was a mummy. But that's I, you know, I know we're getting off track a little bit and running long, but that uh, like comparisons to gothic literature and Faulkner are not misplaced you know this game really is that richly layered it really is interested in in nicole you said intentional uh storytelling um you know in a way that like not a ton of games are Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a shame that it's not on steam and hopefully it'll be back on there soon i hope so um sounds like it will be i think it will be i think they've probably gone through a bunch of they have a lot to, they had a lot to deal with, um, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. I think the thing was they, after detention was successful, they uh, they had a Chinese publisher and a Chinese distributor. Mm-hmm. Is I think that that's right? right. I believe that's right. And so it seems like when this, when this, uh, I guess to sum it up, it was, it was a Winnie the Pooh meme, wasn't it? Yep. On yeah. the poster, and uh, it was noticed, and then. Uh, Chinese players started review bombing it on Steam, uh, which still I wanted to look something up on the Steam discussion forum and it's unusable. Yeah, right. You're only I think it was only the soundtrack that was there last time that I checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, it's a I mean, whole. Their Weibo account's been taken down. They're like, yeah, they're they're in trouble. Right, and it was so popular in China. Yeah, um, it was you know trending on Weibo. It, a lot of the Twitch viewership were Chinese streamers. So. It's just, it's it's an incredible shame because I also mm-hmm. hate the idea that this game will be that game that got banned. Right. You know, and not... Um, even if it, in, in, it didn't even get banned, but it yeah. will always be yeah. the game that got banned, yeah. right? Right. Or, And also it makes you worry for, obviously, the people involved who... Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to make this stuff. They're obviously a very talented group of people. Um, right. When they when I spoke to them, they spoke about how intensely personal it was to make a game about Taiwan and a game set in Taiwan. Um, and so to have this game that was so meaningful for them in that way be taken away um, or kind of marred by this controversy is sad. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think it's just like, you know, um, and I remember they mentioned that in the uh, the piece you wrote for The Verge, Nicole, mm-hmm. um, about how they made it very deliberately Taiwanese with right. distinctive, like, you know, I'm sure the architecture is probably similar to a lot of apartments in Taipei. You know, obviously the food and, and all of these things. Um, but what I really love about this game, and I think this is always a great thing, when you make a game that's very culturally specific um 
and a game that you know touches on greater themes historical and cultural and but it also just works really well just as something that anyone can play through mm. and feel the core of what this thing is trying to convey mm-hmm. um like that to me is always like a big successful thing like i love you know really avant-garde stuff but i also love something that is a well-told story that you don't really need any prerequisite knowledge to mm-hmm. to get something out of yeah Uh, It also feels translated uh, in a way that, like, a lot of localized games don't. Like, a lot of localized games end up having a lot of those, uh, like, whether it's the vocal performance or the art assets or what, if it gets translated and and localized really heavily, it can feel like a lot of those edges have been sanded off, and it does not have that. Mm -hmm. No, it's really good. The voice performances seemed really good, too, although, of course, I can't can't tell. I wish I could have played it without subtitles because I think this game would be wonderful uh, mm-hmm. if you could not have to have text on the screen, except when it's you know when it's prompted. Anyway, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm satisfied if everyone else is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm satisfied as well. Is this where we put Dan in his bath of? Race wine? Yeah, I'll close the door <laughs> behind me, don't worry. See ya! Enjoy. <laughs> um, there's also a picture book. And it's a whole oh. thing. It's a 2D side-scroller uh, where it's a picture book of uh, Mei Shen is being read a story and she changes how the story plays out by... I don't know. Yeah. Dr- kind of drawing on the... On the- there's so much going on in this game. Um, I know. I feel like you could talk about this game for like three hours and yeah. for the I, whole playtime. <laughs> yeah, I really oh. hope it it comes back. I would love to. I would love to uh, see more about it, to read more about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful that you know it would be awesome if you're listening to this and it it's back and that's all a footnote regarding it. You know. Because a lot of games suck, and this one was good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Right, Nicole, reviewer of The Division 2? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm enjoying playing The Division, um, but it's tedious. It doesn't make me feel anything, though. It's just like... Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like a thing to do with your hands, kind of, versus, like, (laughs) something that's, like, really compelling. Right, yeah, it's like a, a fun... A way to connect with your friends online. Yeah. Um, Chat like my Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan, we didn't tell you. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to stay on the call as we now move to our second part of this devotion <laughs> of episode. Enjoy. Yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, that'll do it. Um, I, I hope that this game comes back, and if it does you really owe it to yourself to play it. I think to me, it's, it's definitely the strongest game I've played this year. It's mm-hmm. only mid March. So mm-hmm. by a lot, it's the strongest game I've played this far. I, uh, my little secret is I think it's better than anything that came out last year. So, but last year kind of sucked anyway, but <laughs> yeah, like only played overwatch last year. So I've nothing to compare it to. I, what if overwatch had a mode where, <laughs> 
Stop. <laughs> oh, oh no. Stop. <laughs> what if you powered up by gouging at your eyeball? Um, I'll, yeah. We'll send that idea over to the developers. If you're listening, Blizzard, <laughs> that one's for free. Uh, so that's going to do it. This is this was an episode of Bullet Points. Um, I'm trying to remember now. Second podcast of the day. It's hard to remember the things to say because my brain's turned to mush. Um, go to bulletpointsmonthly.com. We are running articles. We have articles right now going up about Anthem, uh, which Devotion is better than Anthem, but Anthem, I think, is an interesting game to write about and read about. So we have those going up right now. We also have uh, a book coming up pretty soon called OK Hero about Metal Gear Solid, which we will have more news on very soon. Very, very soon, actually. Um, So that's exciting for for us, at least, because we've been plugging away at it. Um, And uh, go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bullet points. Uh, It's the way that we are able to keep making a website. If we don't have Patreon money, then we don't have a website. So that's no good. And I think that's everything. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but... I might just have a tired brain. <laughs> uh, Nicole, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter, I am at Sweet Potatoes. That's and... it. That's the only place. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at DWFRIES, and my website is DWFRIES.com. Well, that's. What, what does that spell? It's my first initial, <laughs> my middle initial, and my last name, Freeze. I know, I know this. Um, I'm going to link uh, Nicole's article as well in here. Uh, who knows if I'll, re- who knows if I'll remember to link it in time? But also, um, <laughs> friend, friend of the show, friend of the site, Katie McCarthy at US Gamer wrote a good piece about mm. the uh, that I think is is probably the best thing I read. Sort of contextualizing um, the game's removal from Steam and. Oh, and yeah. um, losing their publisher and everything and, and touches on some of the political backdrop of, you know, the tensions between Taiwan and, and China. And yeah, I think that's it. All right. Thank Anything you. else? Cool. No, Nope. no, that's it. No. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next time. Right. Um, when, when that happens. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>